You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, the organs from New York City with Mainline Woman. And the organs are actually playing tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at the Zoo Shop with the React and the Noceums as part of Mongrel Fanzine's release party. Mongrel Fanzine, an amazing fanzine from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, is releasing their issue number 11 tonight at the zoo shop, and they've brought in all the way from New York City, who you just heard right there, the organs. Now, Mongrel Zine, if you investigate further into the world of Mongrel Zine, and check it out, at mongrelzine.ca, you'll find it not only is it a website, it's actually a print zine. Primarily, it's a print zine. And in this particular new issue of Mongrel Zine, there's an extensive interview with the United Empire Loyalists, an amazing 60s rock and roll band from the 60s from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And the front of the new Mongrel has a great photo of the United Empire Loyalists and all their period piece magic on the cover of Mongrel Zine number 11. So head on down tonight to the zoo shop in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on Main Street to check out the organs from New York City, the React 
and the Noceums, all part of Mongrel Zine's release party for number 11. And make sure you do pick up the brand new Mongrel Zine. And it comes with a brand new 7-inch as well, a Red Mass and Cindy Lee split 7-inch. Like Mongrel has ventured into the world of vinyl as well. Mongrel Fanzine, happening tonight with the organs at the Zoo Shop in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Also, speaking of vinyl records, this Sunday in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, it's the Record Swap Meet. Don't forget to check out the Croatian Cultural Center this Sunday in Vancouver for tons and tons of dealers and tons and tons of records and tons and tons of deals. A long time ago, I once picked up a Dish Rags 7-inch for 25 cents. Now it's worth a hell a lot more but i didn't buy it just because it was like 25 cents or maybe i did oh no it was very reasonably priced but it wasn't the best deal that's ever been had for 25 cents that was my friend mark who used to do a show in vancouver british columbia canada on citr called more dinosaurs he picked up neil young's first seven inch from his band the squires their first seven inch aurora backed with the sultan for 25 cents at record land in calgary you're like wow what a find i guess that was 1988 now that record is worth four thousand dollars not to say it'll be those sort of discoveries available at this sunday's swap meet at the croatian cultural center but you never know so do check it out this sunday the croatian cultural center for the vancouver record collector association swap meet Today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, a couple interviews that I've done with Pharrell Williams, producer Pharrell Williams from the band NERD, and also producer Pharrell Williams from the Neptunes, plus interviews with Fred Armisen from Portlandia, Saturday Night Live, and the punk band Trenchmouth, and also podcaster Mark Marin. Yes, Pharrell Williams, Mark Marin, Fred Armisen, all on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show here today. Going to begin by playing right now something that Pharrell Williams of the Neptunes was heavily influenced by, the band Rex and Effects. And we're going to play the track Rex in Effects, then an interview I did with Pharrell Williams from... 2008, and then after that, a brand new interview with Pharrell Williams from the South by Southwest Music Festival from 2013 this year. So, right now, here's Rex and Effects, then an interview with Pharrell Williams from 2008, and then a brand new interview with Pharrell Williams from 2013, and then an interview with Fred Armisen, and then an interview with Mark Marin on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Here's Rex and Effects. Yeah, boy, Rex in effect, we can do this, Get 
Kicking it live on the beast Take your kid up and dance to your knees Do we can be dog, uh, pulling the girls Illin' and chillin' on top of the world And I deal with the rhymes out of soul for real Tell brothers get paid, not to get ill Like I said, we'll always be on top We we'll take no shorts Cause we're the mafia MRNTR is our production It's either you with it or you ain't doing nothing Just with the gangster look <laughs> I'm check, check, check. Mm. You are? <laughs> uh, um, Pharrell. From the? Um, from the group NERD. NERD? And Pharrell, who do you have beside you? 
Um, Shay. Hello, Shay. What's going on, Art? Doing good. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, it feels good so to be it's here. N- it's Nardwar. Nardwar, the human serviette. Serviette. Okay. Is Nardwar one word or two words? Uh, one word. Ah, Nardwar. And, and what's the origin of this? Nardwar is like a dumb, stupid name like Sting. Hmm. And Human is from the band The Cramps, their song Human Fly. And in the United States of America, you don't have serviettes, you have na- napkins. So I'm Nardwar to Human Serviette. Oh, so the human napkin. The yes, human, exactly. Human, oh. And the human... So what, is, what, what does Nardwar mean, though? It's just a dumb, stupid, made-up name, like Sebado, Sting, Sinbad. You know what I mean? It's a dumb, stupid name. Yeah, but Sting has a real, like, it, it, it def, def, there's a definition for it. Is there, is there a definition for it? Well, no, there isn't. Although there is a record label recently that sprung up called Jag, 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 Jaguar. And I was really kind of jealous of that, thinking they're stealing my shtick there, calling the record label that. But no, this is a dumb, stupid name. Really? So there's no dictionary definition? No, I was just talking to myself one day, groveling, like, It is kind of like nerdy, isn't it? Like, I mean, N-E-R-D, you know, Nardwar. We, we both share ends together. Sorry for not acknowledging that. No, no, that's great. I think that's cool. And I would like to welcome you, N-E-R-D, to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with a gift. And we have it right here. This is a book, Skateboarding Vancouver, for you, Pharrell and Shay. And this celebrates skateboarding in Vancouver and the history of skateboarding as well. Wow. The shape of that board right there is like when I was skating, when I was a kid. Hey, Nard. I think you should be in the next NERD video. Absolutely. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, actually, I make a weird appearance, although it's not me, in the video that Snoop Dogg did with Korn, you know, the twisted transistor video? Yeah. If you watch the video closely, Snoop Dogg is getting interviewed by a guy in a tartan hat. Yeah. And he gets slapped. That's the name of that hat. Yeah, tartan hat, yes. Tartan, spell it for me. T-A-R, you're the artist, you spell it. No, 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 I want to know. I'm interested, I like that. T-A-R-T-A-N? Is that right, Shay? I have no idea. Anyways, in that video... It's, it's English in nature, though, right? It, it, actually, from Scotland. Ah. And actually, if you want to just go on and on, it is quite an amazing hat. Something maybe Billionaire's Boy Club should actually examine, because check this out. This comes off here, and you can put that on there, so you can do this if you want. Mm. And actually, I did see one of the Sex and the City's characters wearing this uh, years ago, so I may have actually influenced them as well. But I would like to welcome you guys to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with the book Skateboarding British Columbia, and back, yes, to the corn video. In that corn video for Twisted Transistor, you see Snoop Dogg slapped a reporter, and it's a guy wearing a tartan hat, and I later asked Snoop Dogg, and he said the character was inspired by me. Wow. wow. So I should have been in that video, so I'll gladly jump aboard a nerd video, N-E-R-D video, any day. Okay. And you guys are cruising across Canada, and you're talking to me, Nardwar, a Canadian. So I'm wondering, how's the tour been going so far? Amazing, man. I mean, words can never express how much fun we've been having since we've been here in Canada. Now, what's it like with Rihanna? Because she's been described as having, on this particular tour, quote, beyond skin-tight pants. Mm, painted on. How is that working out? Have you seen that? Is that true? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's entertaining. But you're not only into the youngins, are you, Pharrell? You're also into the old Canadians like Anne Murray. <laughs> you know what? When I was a kid, they used to sell like Anne Murray albums on a 1-800 number on, on, a, on a channel that we used to watch. 
She's, she's had a lot of hits, by the way. Yeah, she's a Canadian legend. Yeah, she is. And when it was a roast for Jerry Seinfeld, guess who was involved? Anne Murray. Anne Murray had Seinfeld open for her. Wow. So she paved way for Seinfeld. Huge. Looking back at things, perhaps, that you were influenced by or that laid the foundation for Nerd Pharrell, uh, what can you tell me about the importance of Carl Sagan and the music of the cosmos? I cannot believe you have this in album form. This is Carl Sagan doing the throwdown. How did you... How? No, of course, I bought it when it came out. There it is. The a gatefold as well. What can you tell the people about Carl Sagan, Pharrell? I'm blown away right now. I can't believe you have this in, on, on, on wax. I'm, I'm blown away. This is incredible. Well, I'm so glad that you're into it because I am too. It's an amazing record, isn't it? There's Carl Sagan kicking it down. You've not seen this before on wax? Absolutely not. Wow, what about Huchet? Never. First time. Wow, and there it is. So how does it play into the N-E-R-D formula or the Pharrell formula? God. Um, I don't know, man. I can only aspire to be, you know, someone that people learn as much as they've learned from Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan is... is He is... He is, to me, what um, Tribe Called Quest was to us for music. I mean, he was just food for the mind his the way he thought and the way he uh articulated and he had a he had a special talent for teaching the layman and that's that's hard to do when you know when you're talking about science which which has a tendency to be um technical mostly all the time i mean he just has a way of you know teaching um and articulating to like the layman like myself and and wouldn't you know because in school i really didn't care about science it was so boring but to watch this um i have the um the dvd set uh and now the vinyl is here with carl sagan throwing down the rap so it's mainly electronic type stuff oh man it's amazing i mean you gotta understand this was the guy that when nasa wanted to send out something uh, a capsule they they asked him to put it together. So he had like this diagram on it that was anodized in gold that had like, you know, man, woman, man, woman and child, earth, sun and moon. And, you know, just, you know, and some recordings, too, I think yeah, recordings. Uh, I, you know what they put on there? They, they contacted Quincy Jones and they put Fly Me to the Moon produced by Quincy and sang by Frank Sinatra. And uh, also he said that um, no matter where you were in the universe the physics would still be the same in terms of primary numbers it would still be the same it was based on prime he's is incredible the whole thing was based on like primary numbers six 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 he is he's genius guy man genius guy one genius guy is missing though you're into the carl sagan what does this particular person right here mr mindy and mork represent shay to the member that's not here <laughs> Uh, Chad would die right now. <laughs> Why would Chad die over this particular thing right here? Could you explain for us? Well, Mark from Ork, um, we grew up to that. We grew up with that, and you know, Mark and Mindy was that was a huge. That was that's Nanu Nanu. So Nanu Nanu plus Carl Sagan equals Nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, what can you say? What can you say? Chad is not here. What is the Chad dance? The Chad dance? I saw a Chad dance on the you know internet. That, you know they're talking about that, right? Where everyone knows? Yeah. Him 
kicking yeah <laughs> yeah people like it what is the chad dance because it's important to have chad in the band of course doing the dances and laying it down what is the ch- it's kind of on the keyboard what is the dance it's the mud foot it's called the mud foot you guys played virginia recently and when you played virginia n-e-r-d you did a shout out to the military circle mall <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> yeah how'd you catch that what do you know about the Military Circle Mall? What can you tell the people at the Military Circle Mall and NERD? Well, that's a, that's a mall back home where we're from, where, like, it's a little bit more urbanized and, like, you know, it's where, you, it's where all the cute black girls go. That's where everything was laid down in Virginia. And I wanted to ask you, particularly Pharrell, about this joint right here. Is this where it all started right here with the rump shaker? <laughs> Pharrell, is this where we started? Pharrell Williams, the rump shaker. Yeah. This is this is this is one of the most impressive interviews I've ever experienced in my life. Seriously. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's great to be able to talk to you guys. This is this is insane, man. Do you see this? What? How do you? Who comes to an interview and hands you? You know. Uh, you know skateboarding vancouver style mork from orc uh, mork from orc mork and mindy doll music of the cosmos and a rum shaker record oh, me nardward human serviette interviewing n-e-r d stands for damn what can you tell people about the rump shaking there's your name in tiny little print do you remember pharrell from back then there shay uh of course i do yeah, he was, he was a funny guy. What do you remember about this particular joint, the Rump Shaker, Pharrell? Um, you got your name in print. That's cool. From 1992. I'm bugging out. <laughs> I can't believe he has this. Um, I, I just, I just remember being a kid um, in high school, and definitely unfocused. So I had like another year to go. And when this record came out, it was like, you know, it was an amazing feeling. You know, I was from Virginia Beach, Virginia, where there wasn't really a music industry at all. It's still in high school. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And it was the gentleman, Teddy Riley, that helped you out, wasn't it, right there, Mr. Teddy? <laughs> yeah, it was Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the Do the Right Thing soundtrack as well. Right. Wow. So could have you got on the Do the Right Thing soundtrack? That was a few years earlier, wasn't it? Yeah, this was before my time. Wow. All out of Virginia, Shay. You guys really rep the Virginia, don't you? We try to. And that's what I was curious about. Looking at Nerd, N-E-R-D, and thinking about you guys, your new record is called Seeing Sounds. Yes, sir. Now, Seeing Sounds, is that an illusion, perhaps? Because on the cover of Seeing Sounds, is it a giant gorilla, a giant ape? Yeah, it's a giant gorilla. Now, was there not a theme park, the Ocean Breeze Sun Park in Virginia, that had a giant gorilla? Shay. (laughs) You're insane. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And it got burnt down because somebody, like, put a bow and arrow into it? No, it's still there. I thought it got burnt down, and then they rebuilt it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It did. It sure did. Holy shit. (laughs) 
So how does that all play into seeing things? Is that the connection? Is it from the gorilla, from the Ocean Breeze Funge Park? Um, maybe, Shay, were, maybe subconsciously. Shay, were you thinking of that at all? No. Have you been to Virginia? No, I've never explored the fine shores of Virginia. How did you find that? I'm friends with the rock and roll band Guar. No, I'm not. Actually, no, I just was taking a wild guess at it because the Ocean Breeze Fun Park, the Ocean Breeze Fun Park had a giant gorilla and I saw the cover your record having a gorilla, so I thought I'd put it together. Wow. No. That's crazy. That's crazy. You know what? Let me ask you, can I ask you questions? Oh, go ahead, Pharrell. Have you seen that documentary called Zeitgeist? Yes, I have. What do you think about it? I've explored that previously. It's hard exactly to get to the bottom of all that thing because there's so many YouTube chapters to go through. But I'm really open to learning new things. You have the full movie. You have to see it. It's pretty interesting. Well, maybe when I'm like waiting in like the trailer to film the new nerd video, you can have that playing there for me. That will be my payment, right? Well, the answer is yes. We got, he's got to be there, Shay. He's got to be there. We'll arrange it. Well, for sure. You have to at least open the video or something. Oh, I would be honored to do that. He'd be the perfect, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. He'd be the, yeah. yeah. What were you thinking for the video? Can you disclose? What were you th- What am I getting myself, what am I getting myself into no, when cool. I get into a nerd video? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We're going to do it, though. It's pretty cool. We're going to get your information, and we're going to do it. What am I going to be wearing? Can I be me? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't have to play anybody else. No. We wouldn't want you to, by the way. What you do is perfect, man. NERD, Mount Trashmore, the Mount Trashmore Skate Park. Yes, sir. You hang out there quite a bit, don't you? Well, my younger brother did. When I went, there was uh, this uh, asphalt um, uh, little thing called the snake. And it was like a bowl, but it was like in a snake form. And uh, I used to bust my ass there. I was I was kind of like one of the little posers hanging out watching like the guys that really could skate. I was okay. I was like you know an allier and you know axle grinder and you know a couple of sad plants and you know a uh, couple of you know launches off the quarter pipe. And when I was a kid, they were, we we had like quarter pipes and stuff like that. So I wasn't really. It wasn't. I, I'll never forget. By the way, I just met Hasoy again. From Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, he... Profiled in the book, Skating Vancouver. Okay, well, he came backstage to our show when we were in L.A., the first show. Uh, my brother Cato brought him back. But um, i never forget, he did a Christ Air in Virginia. He came to uh, the skate park when I was a kid. That's the Mount Trashmore Skate Park. That's a neat name, isn't it, Shay? Absolutely. Mount Trashmore... Was there a rumor once that Mount Trashmore was going to blow up and people got scared? No, not that yeah, there was a rumor. Was Yo, this is really scary. Yeah, people thought that, like, the gases from all the trash, yeah, somehow was going to explode. Like a DJ started some sort of rumor on the radio. It was like a war to worlds. Their research is second to none. Second to none. And I can only imagine that you're, you probably do the same kind of research with every band that you interview. So that's, that's pretty impressive, man. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, NRD, Pharrell, and Shade. That's very nice of you to say that. And I will launch right into the Chuck Norris Karate Studio. Now you're playing dirty. Now you're playing dirty. Now you're playing dirty. 
Why would you do that? Well, I guess I was curious. The Chuck Norris Karate Studio, is Chuck Norris actually at that karate studio? Because I noticed there's a Chuck Norris Karate Studio in Virginia, but he's not there, is he? No, he's not. He came one time, though, when I was a kid. Yeah. And it it caused some problems? How was that playing Dirty Shay? I don't know. How's that playing dirty, Pharrell? Because <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> That's why. Kia! You guys are called N-E-R-D. Yes, sir. Also in Virginia, and you're from Virginia, there's A-R-E, Edward Casey. Wow. Okay. Okay. Which stands for the Association of Research and Enlightenment. Yeah, I go there all the time. That's sort of interesting. What do you think about A-R-E? What can you tell the people about Edward Casey? Oh, uh, he was a renowned sleeping psychic. He was he was interesting the way he you know came across his and conjured his information. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of holistic uh, education you can get there. It's it's pretty interesting. Did you ever hang out at Aladdin's Castle Video Arcade at all? Yeah. <laughs> was that a good chain? <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> After you go to Japan, nothing matters anymore, though. Yeah. Japan is like, they have the, the, that's like video game capital to me. How about Sal's Bella Pizza or Chuck's Oyster Bar? No. I was excited by those places because Chuck's Oyster Bar is like a drive through You can drive through in your boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is it? Have you been through the drive through in your boat? No, I've never been there, but I've heard about it. Isn't that something, the first thing you do, like you get some money, you're in a band, you buy a boat, you go through the drive through to get some oysters? That would be great, Shay. <laughs> yeah, but no, not for me. What does this number mean to you from Virginia, N-E-R-D? 757-422-8823. I don't know. What is it? It's down the beach, wherever it is. Oh, you're getting close. Atlantis? No, the beach. is related to the beach. It's the surf. Oh, 17th Street Surf Shop? The Surf Report. Surf Report? The Surf Report. It's like everybody in Virginia Beach knows the surf report, don't they? Like, aren't, it, a lot of people aren't into surfing in Virginia Beach, so they would know the surf report number. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I never, I, I wasn't a surfer as a kid. But you are watching crowd surfers. I noticed that you guys commented, quote, we counted 12 surfers in Knoxville, 12 crowd surfers. Do you count the crowd surfers? Well, yeah, that's kind of like a high of mine, personally, because I've always wanted to experience that. Have you topped 12 at all, 12 crowd surfers for NERD? Uh, I think so. Maybe yesterday. We performed in New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a bunch of them. You've been talking a little bit about Madonna and Madonna crying and stuff. You making Madonna cry. What about Shay? Have you made Shay cry at all? No. We're peaceful. Has Pharrell ever made you cry at all, Shay? No. Has Pharrell ever made Chad cry? No. Have you ever made Pharrell cry? Negative. So does love all around? Yes, sir. One other artist winding up here, NARD, I wanted to ask you about was this particular person right here, Alice Coltrane. You're repping Rihanna on this tour, but who should we have but Alice Coltrane, John Coltrane's wife. She's pretty cool, eh? She is. This is her Krishna album. Wow. I have to hear it. Have I, would I know some of her music? Like someone sampled something from her before? I think here and there, if you check out like the website, thebreaks.com, you'll be able to find something. She's out and about, but she's pretty cool. She was married just a few years to Coltrane before he killed himself and was able, was died there, so it was very unfortunate. He killed himself? Well, no, I just meant because he died, which is very sad. Oh, okay. Seriously. 
Yes, no, no, he didn't kill himself, no. No, don't believe everything I say. Don't believe everything I say. Well, so far, everything he's saying about Virginia is pretty accurate. Winding up here, NARD, I want to ask you this, lastly here. We're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. What can you tell the people about this particular record right here? Is this the foundation for hip-hop? Michael Viner's incredible bongo band. What do you guys know about that? I think this is a Q-tip question. But I need to hear it. Because that's the break Apache, you know, the famous break Apache. Oh. You know, that's been used all over hip-hop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I find really interesting is this has pretty much been, like, the foundation of hip-hop. But if you look closely on the very back of the record, where is it recorded? Where is Michael Viner's incredible bongo band recorded? Canbase Studios, Vancouver. So this is recorded in Vancouver. So Vancouver could be ground central station for hip-hop. Wow. That's a, that's a very interesting theory. And if it's true, it could make sense only because, you know, I was just saying earlier in another interview that, um, you know, there's an interesting history with Canada and, you know, the climate is naturally cold. You know, there's a lot of variables that go into what, what produces talented individuals. And uh, it wouldn't, if it is true, it would not surprise me. I mean, there's a lot of talent here. N.E.R.D. Pharrell? You designed a chair, an amazing-looking chair. Is the NERD foe next? <laughs> um, not an NERD phone, but I got to say, it's, it's pretty scary. You're either psychic or, like, I don't know, like you have some kind of remote viewing talent or something. Seriously, it's amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, remote viewing. Yeah. I'm a fan. NERD? else you want to add to the people out here at all um vancouver is fun it's always been fun and uh we are we we intend on having a good time the kids have been supercharged on a tour it's been wonderful touring with uh lupe rihanna rihanna and uh kanye and uh i don't know man it's fun june 10th seeing sounds in stores make sure you go and get it N.E.R.D., one last thing I forgot to ask you, though. 50 Cent has this been declared Donald Trump. He's going to have his own show, The Apprentice. Donald Trump equals 50 Cent. 50 Cent is going to be Donald Trump. How's that going to work out? Really? He's doing a show like that? Yeah, he's going to be Donald Trump. 50 Cent is. How's that going to work out? I don't know. I'll watch. What do you think, Shay? Uh, uh, It's new news to me. What has your interactions been with 50 Cent? Would you last as a 50 Cent employee? You've lasted a few years as the NARD on the NARD team. You are the NARD team? Yeah, I don't know too much about 50, so I don't know. I don't know how he is off camera. Well, thanks very much, NARD. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 Seduction from face hips to feet. 
A wiggle and a jiggle can make the night complete Now since you got the body up here, come and get the award Here's a hint, it's like a long shot sword Flip tails and let me see you shake it up like dice The way you shake it up is turning mighty men to mice But A plus got a surprise, that's a backbreaker Now let me see you shake it up like a rock shaker All I wanna do is I'm a zoom, 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 and a boom, boom Baby, check, baby, one. 
Who are you? I am Pharrell Williams. Pharrell Williams, welcome to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Thank you, sir. Pharrell, right off the bat, I have a gift for you. Okay. I have something that I think is true and dear to your heart. What can it tell the people about your obsession with the Isley Brothers? Wow. Um, well, first off, uh, those guys had have had like one of the longest careers in R&B music, uh, R&B and soul music. And, uh, you know, they are, you know, when you really, really listen to their music, like they really got into a super dreamy zone in the 70s. And I was always like blown away by that because it's like, you know, as kids, we look back to like those groups that were the generation before us and we're like, yeah, well, you know, what would you know about like the dreamy psychedelic stuff? And they're like, well, we invented it, you know, and um, it's just sort of cool. Uh, to go back and listen to the body of work to see where, where where they come from. For all, is it true that you once fell asleep on the toilet after eating six weed brownies? This is true. This is absolutely true. What was the context for that? Well, it was my first experience, and much like most people who don't know what that is, uh, not that I condone it, parents, okay? But, like, you know, uh, you know, you get to that age where, like, you know, people are experimenting with different things. And me, I was always against smoking, um, as I still am. Like, uh, you know, my whole thing was like, I got it. I'll eat it. That way I won't affect my lungs. And so, you know, um, I ate one and it was this girl named uh, this girl named Shelly. And she worked over at like this this store that we were all fans of at the time in the I want to say late 90s, early 2000s called Filth Mart. Uh, the one that Jay-Z mentions and give it to me or whatever. Uh, so, you know, Shelly was like, I can make them for you. So, you know, she made them and I'm I'm eating it. And, and because I'm an, an, you know, I was inexperienced in my mind. I was like, oh, man, that this isn't working. Give me another one. She was like, I don't know about that. And I ate two. I was like, man, these are good. You know, because at the time I like I, I liked brownies, you know, the regular kind. Now, because of this experience, I do not like brownies in any way, shape or form. But um, so I ate the first two and I really didn't feel anything. She was like, look, you really need to sort of chill out. This is not good. You, you, you should stop. And at that point, it's starting to kick in. But, you know, so it's kicking in. And if you're, you, you get the munchies, what are you going to eat? If that's the only thing that's there. So I had, you know, what I remember right around six, um, six, uh, six brownies. And there was a point where like, you know, my manager, we were, pl- I'll never forget. I was playing, um, no, I was getting ready to work with Usher to do, you don't have to call. And I played him the track and I'll never forget. He played me um my boy KP, um, A&R over at Atlantic. He played me, um, the TI song. And I was like, because he was like, y'all really want you to work with this guy. This was before T.I. had ever come out. And forgive me on the chronology because I could be wrong. But I remember him playing me T.I. And I was like, yo, T- this guy is amazing. He can rhyme his ass off. But why is the song so long? And uh, obviously we know why it was long. And then all of a sudden um, his teeth began to grow uh, before my eyes. 
Um, and it was a sound effect that went along with it, and it was the craziest thing ever. And I just kept going, dude, your teeth are getting big. But look, um, that T.I. song was amazing. That was like, um, that was crazy. I think it was T.I.P. at the time, um, and we and he changed it because of Q-Tip. But look, long drawn out thing. But all of a sudden, like, the world around me became like his shirt. I don't know if you guys can get a view of his shirt, but literally it was like, Straight up, Big Lebowski, you know, running from the bowling pins, weird shit. And I went to go, you know, use the bathroom and absolutely passed out on the toilet on six weed brownies. It's absolutely true. It's very true. That's an incredible story, Pharrell. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. That's when I first heard (laughs) T.I. You're Pharrell, but were you once the Verb Lord and Magnum P.I.? Magnum, I mean, uh, 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 Nardwar, you're entering a world of pain. You're going into places that are uncharted territory and for a, for a reason. The answer is yes. Let's move on. Pharrell, what about houses, prefab houses? Is there a Pharrell house people can buy now? There's not, but um, we're, we're in the works. I'm, we're I'm having some very serious talks with uh, Zaha Hadid on that. What is that going to be, though? Because that's fascinating. I love prefab houses. Well, you know what? It's it, it's my theory that, like, you know, we look up. We aspire up, right? So um, I always thought, like, one of the issues that, that you know, brought the country and essentially the world down um, in terms of uh, the economy was, like, the subprime, and that had to do with houses. So I was like, well, how do we affect that, right? You know, there are some trailer homes that cost thirty to 40000 but they're just designed like shit, you know? And then there's also prefab housing. And I just thought to myself, you know what? If a person could buy a house for the price of, like, a, a mid, mid-range car, um, then, then people could start having ownership, you know? And th- that would start with people understanding that we're now living in a day and age where, like, you live on your phone, you right? You know, everything, we have smartphones, we have smart cars, we just don't have smart houses, uh, which are small and just based on functionality. And people are like, well, I could never live in, you know, three or 400 square foot. And it's like, but you sleep very comfortably in your hotel room. Right. So it's a matter of bringing comfort and convenience to people. Uh, And I felt like if I did it with someone like Zaha, who doesn't use straight lines, doesn't use a lot of regular corners, but everything is curved and everything is, you know, flowing with waves. um, I thought it'd be interesting because she had never done one, A, and B, uh, to show, you know, something you know, coming from her perspective, that is more futuristic because she's like the Jetsons. Everything she does is just like, you know, 3,000 years from now. Um, I just thought, you know, if we got them to do it, you know, her and her company to do it on that level, then the people who would want to sell them, you know, for 60,000 or 70,000 would want to follow suit and make some more interesting prefab homes, make interesting mobile homes, you know, for like the, like the, the, and let's not look at it like trailer park. Let's look at it like, you know, uh, futuristic living, you know, something that you see on the cover of like a popular science, a popular science, a popular mechanics magazine in the 50s. So that was kind of like my thinking. And that's sort of like why we're heading in that direction. Pharrell, 4338 Virginia Beach Avenue. What does that mean to you? Is that Teddy Studio? Yes, Teddy Riley. What can you tell the people about Teddy Riley and the studio? 
That, uh, that, wow. His glasses are awesome. Um, that, uh, pretty much changed my life. Um, that, you know, I was a teenager and we were desperately, um, you know, just making music, Chad and I, because we wanted to, you know, we, we, we like making music like the Depeche Mode and like, you know, uh, tribe tracks we love recreating those things and taking those things apart and figuring out how those things worked and we eventually just became like a little group it was uh chad it was shay from nerd and our, our homeboy mike uh etheridge and it was kind of cool because you know we just got to that's what we would do every day after school and then uh we started entering um we started entering like uh, talent shows from our high schools and then um his studio was like a adjacent like a five minute walk from my high school and he sent a scout over they saw us and then like you know the rest was history we went over there and started doing some work and well, you won a talent contest but it wasn't at the high school that you're presently attending like you had graduated and you went back there to win the talent contest yeah yeah well no that happened when we were in, that happened when we were in high school um, but there was another one that we entered and then it was kind of like he had to sign us because he knew us before then. Before then, um, I had written um, his verse for Rump Shaker, only the verse, not the chorus. Um, contrary to popular belief, I see that sometimes on my uh, Twitter timeline. It's like, did Pharrell really write Zoom, Zoom, Zoom? And no, I did not. I only wrote his verse. Because the contest that you entered that Teddy was attending, who won it? Like, did you actually win the contest? I don't think you won, did you? No, we didn't win that. But he got to hear our band. Um, I got discovered in our band while at a high school talent show for Princess Anne, where he had, like, some people there. But my band, he ended up seeing in that performance. Pharrell, you're so into music and stuff that you'll play with a broken arm, right? Didn't you play with like a broken arm? You shoved drumsticks in your cast? Yes, I did. And uh, this is like the, you see that muscle right there? That's the muscle. It was completely severed in half. And they had to, because muscles are like woven together, they had to pull it really close and like uh, layer it. And when they sewed it together, um, the knot never went down. It never absorbed back into itself. And for the longest time, my wrist was bent up like this. But that wasn't going to stop you, though. What do you do with the sticks? Like you would stick them in your cast to keep practicing, right? How hard was that? Super hard. That's crazy that you know that. Well, you're Pharrell. We have to know this. Wow. I want to ask you a bit more about Rex and Effects. I know you did some of the contributions that are a rump shaker, but the Rex and Effects, what can you tell the people about Rex and Effects, some of the guys? Where are they right now? Hmm, let's see. So, um, I, I know, I know Markel is, I think he's down south. I think he may be still into music. I'm not sure. I know Akil... Did they realize the influence that they had on like the whole scene with you guys, clips, the whole thing? I don't know. I don't know if they ever got that. I don't know. You know, it was all happening so fast with them. Um, it was. I mean, I'm like bugging out looking at this cover right now. When things were happening, 
at Teddy's studio, did he turn down some people? Like, I heard he turned down Mick Jagger and Elton John. Did he turn down some people like that? Uh, I don't know if he turned those guys down. I don't know that story. But Teddy is known for turning things down. Um, just because he just had a very specific vision. I know he had a chance to sign, like, the Backstreet Boys. Uh you know, I know R. Kelly came. I remember when R. Kelly came up to the studio. What was that like? It was crazy. How did he roll? How did R. Kelly roll? Yeah, like what happened? I wasn't allowed in. Did that make you mad? Well, yeah, you're young and you want to be around and all that and you want to see, you know. Like I, I wasn't, there were certain things that I wasn't allowed. But that was because Teddy just had like a, so many layers of like, you know people around him in his compound that like you just some people didn't think you know they were engineers that were cool and then there were engineers that were not not so nice you know and it was because they were they meant business you know they didn't want like kids running around the studio you know uh getting in the way and quite honestly that's probably what we did like my studio etiquette when i first came to the studio was so wrong you know teddy would play a chord and i would go hey why don't you change it to this chord you know and that you know and the engineer would just look at me and just give me the dirtiest look and then like when teddy would walk out of the room you know i'll never forget um i want to say his name was jean marie horvat i hope i'm saying the right last name but Jean-Marie, he gave me the best lesson in the world. He sat me down. He was like, look, Teddy's the boss. When he's working, you don't say anything. You're lucky to be in the room. You sit quiet and you listen to everything that he's doing. You absorb, you, you absorb everything that you can. And when you have the opportunity to ask him a question, you ask him a question. But you don't just jump out. You've got to have stu- better studio etiquette than this. I believe in you. And I see what Teddy sees in you and Chad. But you have to calm down. Because Chad was quiet. Chad wouldn't say anything. But I was like, you know, I was like the young, hothead, fiery Aries. They'd be like, change that chord. Change the snare. <laughs> you know, and it was just kind of like, pipe down, pipe down, Russ. For Teddy's studio, it's kind of sad. It burnt down, and then Teddy had that problem with that real estate guru trying to scam him. How's Teddy doing? I don't know, but you know what? Um, when talent is is when talent is loyal to talent, then it will always find a new home. You know, talent is like um, like the legend of the phoenix. You know, there's no ending or beginning. It just it'll be okay. He'll be okay. He's a he's an incredible talent. If he wanted to stop making music right now, he could be the best in, uh, mixing engineer in the game. No disrespect to anybody else that I use and love and appreciate. But his ability to mix. Him and Dr. Dre are the most mixing guys. They can make a shitty snare sound like it is something that's just been created by Roland. They're incredible guys. Pharrell, quote, big white spaceship with green windows. This gonna get me... High tonight? High tonight. Yeah. The SBI demos. What can you say about the SBI? What was SBI? SBI, wow. SBI is a, is a group uh, that Timberland had that I was in along with Magoo called Surrounded by Idiots. And we were like obsessed with the tribe. And Tim did the tracks... And at the same time, I was with the Neptunes. And at that time, the Neptunes was a group. As I said before, it was Chad, Shay, myself, and and Mike Etheridge. And so I was in both scenarios. And Tim's, uh, you know, the group that we had with Tim was surrounded by idiots. And it was crazy. 
Pharrell, I wanted to ask you about this little thing. Quote, the Virginian Pilot, the magazine, the newspaper, Virginian Pilot. Do you remember the Virginian Pilot? Sure. Do you remember your first appearance in the Virginian Pilot? No, and probably conveniently so. A photo of you appeared in the Virginian Pilot, but it was all smeared. The red ink was all smeared. Yeah, let's not show it. Right. You, nobody could see it. However, your mom wrote a letter to the Virginian pilot saying, that's not fair. My son's picture got smudged. Noir. This is true. I thought that's pretty cool. Your mom writing a letter to the editor on the occasion of your first appearance. Your mom's great. Yes, yes, yes. Moving on. For all, winding up here, here we are at South by Southwest. There's a banner called Red, Gold, Green. You doing some stuff with them? Yeah, they're amazing. They're this group out of D.C. kind of blends like I would want to, they're, they're alternative. You know, they're, it's like rock, but like with go-go sensibilities. That's what I was curious about. Were you into the Washington, D.C. go-go scene, you know, Trouble Funk, all those type of bands? Obsessed. Trouble Funk is like the illest to me. Trouble Funk, for the most part, I loved Bustin' Loose by Chuck Brown, but for the most part, as a child, I grew up on um, Trouble Funk, for sure. By the way, the name alone, Trouble Funk, is so incredible. But those records were, I don't know if you've taken the time to listen to Drop the Bomb, but that was like, as a child, you know, there was nothing harder than that record. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? No. I, uh... I'm good. I'm I am uh, as embarrassed as I think I need to be for the day. So I'm good. Well, thanks much, Pharrell. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 loot do. Well, actually, that works. Well, actually, works. Well, no. Well, actually, I've got some questions for you. Oh, yes. Wow, I'd- this is very exciting, Pharrell. Yeah. Should we end the Nardware port? Okay, continue on. Oh, no, we continue on. Is oh, this dual mic action? Oh yeah, dual mic action situation. So. So, if you actually want to hear that part of the interview, i.e. Pharrell Williams versus me, Nardwar the Human Serviette, check out on YouTube for Pharrell Williams versus Nardwar the Human Serviette. Because after he said so, he asked me a whole bunch of questions. And before he asked so, before he said so, I asked Pharrell a whole bunch of questions. And as we just heard an interview I did with Pharrell Williams at South by Southwest from 2013. And before that, it was an interview I did with Pharrell Williams from 2008 on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR. And you're listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR. And coming up right now, an interview with Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live, Portlandia from the band Trenchmouth. And also coming up, an interview with Mark Marin, comedian, interviewer, podcaster, Mark 
TV star Mark Marin. Right now, to prepare you for Fred Armisen, here is the theme song from the show Chick A Go Go. I call it Chic A Go Go, but it's really Chick A Go Go, in which Fred Armisen made his first appearance as the comedian Ferrisito that you see on Saturday Night Live. So here right now is the Chick A Go Go theme by The Goblins, not The Goblins, by The Goblins from Chicago. Then an interview with Fred Armisen, and then an interview with Mark Marin on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Who are you? My name is Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen, welcome to South by Southwest. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Now, this is pretty weird. From disrupting a panel at South by Southwest to leading a panel, please explain. I guess I've sold out, literally. But it was in 1998 you came here and we're not a sellout. What happened? Now you're back on the panel. This is really weird. You're scared, aren't you? No, maybe what happened was maybe the whole time secretly I wanted to be on a panel. It's kind of like someone, you know, sort of crashing a party. You know they just want to be invited to the party. I think anyone who wants to be involved with something, they just find their own way of doing it. So I happen to think that if I wasn't really into a panel, I wouldn't have come to Southwest, South by Southwest at all. You're very versatile, though. Like you love the Stooges. Does that make me versatile? You love TLC. Does that make me versatile? Yeah, from the Stooges to TLC to out there on IFC. That's right. So, like, you're so versatile. You're, like, the most versatile person out there, Fred. So I thought, in honor of the Stooges, because you have done some stooging with Dinosaur Jr., haven't you? It was a high point of my life, seriously. And to remember that high point of your life, Fred, I have a gift for you right here. What do we have underneath right here? Let's see. Here we go. Can you please explain about the event? Okay, first of all, I am... Uh, opening up a towel. Whoa! Do I see Jay Maskus? Ah, this is great. Look at this. Now, could you please explain to the people you, Jay Maskus, the Stooges? Yeah, and um, uh, Tommy Stinson was on bass from the Replacements. It was awesome. I loved it. And Jay Maskus, I consider to be a friend of mine, and I really am a fan of his. And he's been on Portlandia, and he's the best. Now, I got to ask you about your rock and roll past. One band that I love is Trenchmouth. What can you tell the people about this gig right here at Gilman Street that your band Trenchmouth played? Well, Gilman Street, I think we've played a couple of times. Uh, one time we couldn't play because we had just been signed to East West, which is a major label, and uh, we couldn't. But one time we did play before we were on East West. And this is the poster from that with the band Your Mother. Wow. And they remember your bass player going up to the mic and burping and then saying burrito every time you burped. He's, uh, that's Wayne, the bass player. He's a brilliant bass player. And I always had a great time. And 
Berkeley and in San Francisco. And I remember we used to save money and go record shopping whenever we'd go there. We'd go to Amoeba Records. And you guys influenced the band Your Mother because years after, they would still, every time they burp, go burrito because of that gig. Wow. I wonder if Wayne remembers. Well, what's really neat is Gilman Street. You were banned from there, which is really sad, but it was really influential because you influenced your mother. But Gilman Street was a place also where you were brought a pie. The guy from Skeen Records used to give pies. Oh, I vaguely remember that. But um, I, I took some really good photos at Gilman Street. I remember me being on a couch pretending to be asleep, and I love Gilman Street. Because they banned you because you were on the same record label as Martin Lawrence and ACDC, right? That was the problem? Major labels. They were against major labels. Now, punk rock in Berkeley, Andy Samberg, did you ever talk to him about punk rock? All the time, in Berkeley. Does he remember that era? I think he was too young to really appreciate it all. Now, I remember playing with you in my rock and roll band, The Evaporators. We actually played with Trenchmouth in Spokane, Washington. Oh, wow. That is insane. In Spokane, Washington. I don't know if you remember that gig or playing Spokane at all. It's the only time we played Spokane. The only time. And I remember that the guys in my band were like, you got to check out the drummer of Trenchmouth. Yeah, that's nice. I'll take it as a compliment. And you were doing lots of impersonations and joking around then. So years later, when our bass player, John, saw you on TV, he's like, that, 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 that. did that happen to a lot of people? That they would go, that, that, that's the guy that was joking that when we played with them. I gather. I gather that's what happened. I'm glad. I'm glad that that happened that way. I think I wanted a lot of attention. But you guys in Trenchmouth are really nice. Like, for instance, you played with us in Spokane, Washington, Evaporates, and then we went to Chicago and we played Lounge Axe, and you came down to Lounge Axe to check us and the band Cub out. Yeah, we're, we're nice people. And what was the deal about you and Lounge Axe and monkeys? You made people put pictures of monkeys on mailers? What was that about? Well, I, I used to answer phones there, and people would be like, well, I'm going to send in my demo. And I said, I don't know why. I said, well... Will you draw a picture of a monkey on the envelope just so we know what it is? And then, lo and behold, all these people would send in pictures of monkeys, and it was kind of cool. One thing about you, Fred, is, and you are? Fred. From? New York. From? New York City. Well, Fred, I like to think of you as being Chicagoan. Well, I spent a lot of time in Chicago, but I am not from there. Do you remember the show She Could Go Go at all, the TV show She Could Go Go? Of course I do. I was on it. Yes, you were on it, and you did one of the first appearances ever of Ferrisito on Chicago. Yeah, it was a children's show, so it was, that's what made it extra fun. And I have a gift for you from Chicago right here. This is your appearance on Chicago. Why is it two DVDs? Well, one is actually a Chicago soundtrack, and the second is the actual DVD of your performance. I've never seen it, so this is a first for me. Now, this was really wild. Like, you're this trench mouth flyer. Do I get to keep this? Yes, this is all for you. Fred Armisen here. Punk rock, crisis of conformity. Yes, love letter. A love letter to punk, American hardcore punk. It is so nice that you provided the people with this record. What can you tell the people with this record? I love the photos and stuff. Please explain the photos first. That's me, hardcore style. That's Dave Grohl up there. Although he doesn't play on the record, but you used his photo to help sell the record. Classic punk rock technique. Did you not? The sketch, he's playing drums in the sketch. But not on the actual record, though. Were people disappointed he's not on the actual record? People are never disappointed about anything. Who are the other people involved in the sketch? Like you had different little tidbits of information out there, like the Norton wedding. For people that don't know, could you explain a bit about this Christ conforming? Because this is genius. This is like the Queen haters in reverse. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Good reference. I can't believe you know about the Queen haters. But then again, I can believe it. Um, I did a sketch on SNL, which was a love letter to American punk. And 
I put a bunch of references in there to all the bands that I loved. And even musically, there's references to Husker Du and Bad Brains and Dead Kennedys and Black Flag. And um, the opening shot is of a wedding, and it says Cadena Norton. That's Des Cadena and Greg Norton. And then we just put all of these elements in it. It was sort of like, you don't hear it in the sketch, but the name of my character is Ian. And... Um, it's just everything put together and all the whole thing is a love letter to punk and then Ashton Kutcher was the guitar player in it and then Bill Hader played bass and Dave Grohl played drums and I sang and we even thank if you look at the thank yous here uh, we thank Billy and Ash That's, uh, that would be Bill Hader and uh, Ashton Kutcher Dave Grohl it's amazing. You also thank Ian Mackay and your band Trenchmouth played with Fugazi. What do you remember about playing with Fugazi and Trenchmouth? Those are always the biggest shows because there was a million people there because everyone loved Fugazi so much. And they were so nice to us, Fugazi. I'm, I'm still friends with Ian and I love Ian. For Saturday Night Live... And, and Brendan Canty uh, recorded this. We recorded this at his studio. On Saturday Night Live, Fear Play, the legendary fear punk performance. You being part of Saturday Night Live, have you ever talked to the higher-ups, Lauren Michaels, about that night? Do you have any insight into that? Well, Lauren wasn't the executive producer at the time, so I haven't had a chance to really talk to him about that. But I talked to him about the specials, and I talked to him about the replacements. So I've talked to him about other punk bands that have been on. But he actually was involved because I know Ian Mackay said Lauren Michaels phoned up and said, get some people down to the studio. So I guess, have you heard about the legend at night? Like, hey, we're doing a punk skit. This better not be like the last punk skit. I, I haven't heard. I haven't talked enough about it. I will, I will, I will find out soon. Fred Armisen, I love the way you pump punk rock. Like, for instance, the opening for Sunday Night Live, there's like a jam reference. There's jam. Has Paul Weller thanked you? Have the Sex Pistols thanked you? Because you're looking through jam and Sex Pistols records. Well, my original intent was to, for it to be Sex Pistols and Style Council. And then they didn't have a Style Council section. They had the jam. So I said, okay, that'll do. And I love Paul Weller and I love Steve Jones. And then I talked to Steve Jones and he said he noticed and he was really psyched about it. Cynthia P. Caster. Cynthia Plastercaster. Yeah, she's a legend. What can you tell the people about Cynthia Plastercaster from Chicago? What does she do for the people that don't know? She, is, uh, she takes plaster casts of people's, uh, I'm sorry, of men's uh, famous rock stars' erect penises. And her, I think the most famous one was Jimi Hendrix. Actually, the most famous one is Long John Langford. John Langford of the Mekons. Oh, right. Okay. He had the biggest dick. Right, right. right. He had the biggest one. And you've actually drummed for that dick, haven't you? Yeah. I was behind that cock. On John Langford's appearance at South by Southwest a couple times, right? That's exactly right. Now, I have a question for you, or a message for you, actually, Fred Armisen, from Cynthia Plastercaster. Quote, I'm not sure if he knows, but Fred's always welcome in my collection. I love it. That's very nice of her. But it's probably too late by now? Maybe. I don't know if she's still doing it. Would you like to address Cynthia at all right now to the camera? Cynthia, I love you. You're uh, such an energetic, wonderful, funny, sweet person, and I like how she talks. She has a very sweet voice. Emerson, winding up here, bobblehead. We have a bobblehead right there for Jay Maskus. Do you think you ever get like a Portlandia bobblehead perhaps? Someday. Because it's getting close to comedy, bobbleheads and comedy. Because I have another gift for you. Maybe to entice you to get a Portlandia bobblehead. Who might we have underneath these here? Are, these are wrapped in towels. That's the fun of it. But now I'm giving it. Be? But now I can't. Wow. What do we have here? Whoa. David Cross. Your good buddy from Tinkle. You've done some tinkles with him, haven't you? Some tinkling. Yeah, a lot of tinkling. And I, I love David. 
So are you getting jealous? Like here we have G. Mascus, David Cross. It's getting pretty close to Portlandia, right? Yeah, but things come in, in due time. These people have earned it. It's amazing how your dreams come true. You love Sarah McLaughlin, don't you? I very much love Sarah McLaughlin. Now, what did you do with Sarah McLaughlin at a press conference for Lilith Fair there, Fred Armisen? Oh, well, that's when Paula Cole wasn't there. And um, I sort of interrupted a press conference there, and I made reference to Paula Cole. Now, later on, you had Sarah McLaughlin on Portlandia. Yeah, I wonder if she remembered. That's what I was wondering. Is that the first thing that you thought of, that maybe when you asked her, she wouldn't appear because you dissed Paula Cole? Yeah, I, she, it didn't come up. So I thought, well, it's not going to come up. Now, Sarah McLaughlin's character was based on somebody, some famous person that cleaned toilets. Can you reveal possibly who that might have been on Portlandia? What am I alluding to for the people that don't know? Oh, Carrie uh, had someone visit her house, and, and was a, she was a fan of the person. I actually forgot who it was. So if I knew, I just, I'm not able to tell you. But it was someone she was a fan of who came to clean her house. Fred Armisen, Portlandia, Casa Diablo. Sí, es un casa diablo, pero también de ángeles. Translation, vegan strip club? That's not quite a, a, a translation, literally. But vegan strip clubs, they exist there. Do you ever go undercover to do research at all? No. Because a friend of mine, Ned, he swears he saw you in a bridge fresh deli in Dumbo doing some research, like acting out and actually selling stuff to people. Really? If I was there, it's just to be there. Do you remember the Bridge Fresh Deli in Dumbo? Vaguely. But I, I love Dumbo and I love Brooklyn, so I'm sure, it, I'm sure it sounds correct. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it was somebody else. Do you think? I don't know. That's how I was just curious. Do people think you're somewhere when you're not? Are you, like, I've, I've, easily mistaken? I've had that happen a lot. I've had people text me and say, are you in Seattle? And I'm like, nope. But you are in the, quote, Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago. Oh, Yes. Because it's a Trenchmouth cassette in a display. Now, this is amazing. What can you tell the people about that, Fred? I love this. Because it's the African exhibit. How are you in the African exhibit? Why do you think it happened? I would like you to tell the people about this amazing instance. Damon Locks, the singer of Trenchmouth, worked at the Field Museum. So... <laughs> you did a great impersonation of Jack McCloy. That's for you to say. Now, how come that has not appeared on Saturday Night Live? Was that because it's an NBC thing? You're not allowed to do that? Everything's allowed, and uh, everything has a future, so you never know. It's never too late. Fred Armisen, lastly, lastly here, what can you say about the awesomeness of this record right here? Paul and Linda McCartney? My favorite album of all time, Ram. It's the ultimate indie rock record. It's the ultimate everything. It is the most beautiful album ever made. And uh, I love Ram. Paul and Linda McCartney. Do you remember playing Hair Salon with Lori Barbero in Minneapolis at all? I remember hanging out with Lori Barbero a lot. Todd Trainer from Shellac, the drummer. Yeah, he's amazing. He has a hair salon. Yeah, I, I wish... did a gig there. Yeah, oh yes, I do remember that. It was like a one-off. I went there briefly. I wish I looked like Todd Trainer. Well, Lori Barbero actually has a message for you, and she asked me to pass this on. Here we have it. Could you read it to the people there? Fred, hey, it's Lori. I'll, I'll make it sound like her. Hey, Fred, it's Lori Barbero. I live here now. Five years. I'm very happy, but not surprised by, your, by all you're done. I'm a production manager at SX. I love to say hi and hug. You rule. Uh, and her number. I love Please her. contact Lori. Lori is amazing, isn't she? Drummer for Babes in Toyland. I love Lori. I love her. 
She supported many indie punk rock bands in the 90s and she let them stay at her house. Yeah, and but she did it in a way that was very um, friendly and celebratory. What some ways weren't when some houses you stayed at? Everyone's different. Everyone's different, but the way she did it was very sort of, there's a warmth to her that I, I thought she was so, she's just so pleasant. Just like you playing drums for Wandering Lucy from Vancouver. Yeah, that was really, really cool. And Spinanes and Ida too. Yeah, Ida, I played bass on a tour a little bit. Lastly here, Fred Armisen, thanks for speaking to me, Nardwar, to Human Serviette. How many times were you headbutted by Wesley Willis? I never partook in it. I really like. I was a fan of Wesley Willis, and I saw him do it. But he had, had a callus on his head, and I'm a wimp. I don't want to be headbutted. So did he get close to you, and then you backed off? Because how can you get out of a headbutt? Oh, it's easy because even as he was coming towards the group of people, I just knew. Let me take a step back. You know, it's like when you see a mosh pit. I'm not a mosh pit guy. When you see it happening, take a step back. Fred, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Um. Hi. Hello. 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 Well, thanks so much, Fred Armisen. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. You're still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard right there, Fist Fight by Crisis of Conformity by Fred Armisen. Or maybe I shouldn't reveal that he is Crisis of Conformity. Actually, it's all over there. Crisis of Conformity by Fred Armisen. And before that, an interview with Fred Armisen. And before that, an interview with Pharrell Williams from 2013. And before that, an interview with Pharrell Williams from 2008. Coming up right now, a brand new interview with Mark Marin on... 
the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Here is Mark Marin from the South by Southwest Music Festival. Who are you? Mark Marin. I'm Mark Marin, a comedian, podcaster, and soon to be uh, star of my own television show. Mark Marin, welcome to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Are you representing the festival? I'm representing Nardwar to Human Serviette, and a special gift I have for you right here, Mark, right off the bat, a book by your old buddy? Friedman Brothers. By your old buddy? Oh, no. That's Jeffrey Ross. He just did the, the, the forward. But Josh, what is it, Drew Friedman and his brother Josh Allen Friedman, the sons of Bruce J. Friedman, the uh, dark uh, writer. Very good. I love these. Thank you. Old Jewish comedians. And Jeffrey Ross in the intro, he was your number one guest, wasn't he? Jeff Ross was the first guest on the first WTF. I, I've, always, uh, I've always loved Jeff Ross. I've known him for a long time. I think he is uh, the direct legacy of what modern stand-up comedy, or let's say older stand-up comedy, the way I put it with Jeff Ross. Do you ever see the movie The Shining, Nardwar? You know the scene where in the hallway and he's looking at the old pictures at the end of the movie and the butler says, he sees himself in a picture from like the 30s and the butler says, you've always been here, Mr. Torrance. Uh, that's how I feel about Jeff and comedy. You seem to bring up Rodney Dangerfield quite a bit, don't you, Mark? Lately, Rodney Dangerfield's been on my mind, yes. I think he's one of the great unsung heroes of uh, stand-up comedy and uh, to be quite honest with you, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Didn't you want to seat him and Ted Nugent together in a booth at a place you're working? Yes, Ted Nugent came. Or Ted Nugent. It was actually Ted Nugent, Rodney Dangerfield, and Bruce Willis. Uh, I was a doorman at the comedy store, and there was a special booth that was reserved for the woman who owns the place, Mitzi. But if she wasn't around, you could see important people there or your friends. And they all came in, and I don't know if they were together or not, but it was. They ended up all being seated at this one booth: Ted Nugent, Rodney Dangerfield, and Bruce Willis. What's really interesting is Rodney Dangerfield and Mel Brooks are both rap pioneers. They're both rap pioneers. That's true. I don't know if I'd call them pioneers, but they were definitely uh, uh, early old Jewish purveyors of the rap, the rap form. And when I'm thinking rap, like the real rap, and I have a gift for you, Mark, right here, Rodney Rappin. Yep, Rappin' Rodney. I actually have this. And, uh, you know, like if you think about it, his pace and the way he tells jokes, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it works. It works. It's I, 1983, too. That's early in the rap scene. Yes, I don't know if he gets the, uh, the credibility as a rapper that he deserves, but uh, he was on the pulse. Uh, Rodney was at probably 70 years old. Now, the other amazing old school rapper, Mel Brooks with the... Hitler rap. Also from 1983. Yeah, I have this on the new Mel Brooks box set. It, it shows it. You know, it, again, I, I, th I don't know if they were condescending the form or just utilizing the form, but uh, uh, I, I think that both of them uh, did an interesting thing with the form. And you were obsessed with Hitler's face, weren't you? Yes, I was. That's I, where did where did you hear that? I uh, yeah, there was a period there where I was drawing Hitler's face a lot. Unfortunately, it was at Hebrew school. Did not go over well. They did not think I really understood the uh, the, uh, the the reality of what that face represented. You know, at a temple. Mark Maron, Highland Park. Have you ever eaten at my taco at all? I've not eaten at my taco. Is that the truck? It's a restaurant, and some people say you should never go east of the York. You should never go east of the York well, in Highland Park. What do you think about that? I find that going, uh, what, is it east or west? East of the York. No, see, I find that like I don't really want to go west. There isn't a whole lot east. Uh, there are other towns and stuff, but that's sort of where L.A. ends. But I have a problem going west. If I ever have to go to Santa Monica, you know, I might as well pack a tent. It's going to take a while. Oh, Dusty's Bar. Have you been there at all? Don't know where Dusty's Bar is. Where's that? Also in the Highland Park. 
not east of New York. Uh, in Highland Park, I go to Cacao, Mexicatessen. I go to uh, Cafe uh, Con Leche, the coffee shop. Occasionally, I go to the York. Uh, I will go to uh, the Oinkster, uh, also in Highland Park, occasionally. Uh, the coffee table, I, I may frequent occasionally. Um, what other restaurants are there? Maximiliano's. But are we just plugging restaurants or what? There's a, there's a taco truck I've gone to twice, but I don't go there generally. Highland Park, Victor from New York Finance Station. He's from the post office. Is that what you call it in Canada? Yes, exactly. What can you say about Victor? He gives you a shout out. Victor uh, Victor worked at the post office and I'd always see him when I'd go mail stuff. And Victor's a guy that really has a, he's really excited that Highland Park seems to be you know, attracting creative people. And I think he was a guy that in the 80s was, you know, followed the punk scene. He's very sort of into like creative people. He comes to all my shows, my, my postman. Mark, what can you tell the people speaking about Canada of the genius of Cliff Nesteroff? Cliff Nesteroff uh, is one of my favorite writers on show business. Uh, I began reading him because of a situation that I, I read. I, I somehow was directed to his blog, and he, I read a piece about Shecky Green, and then I had a, an, an encounter with Shecky Green that I had to. It was yeah, and uh, so I was introduced to Cliff in a weird way, but I, I love reading him, and uh, we had great conversations. Jack Carter's story is amazing. Oh, Jack Carter didn't understand the internet, did he? I love that. Yeah, you can say that probably about a lot of the people that you talk to at that age. <laughs> Shecky Green had the same problem, and I was in the the sort of the crosshairs of that situation that Cliff caused without knowing it. I thought it was amazing that you mentioned Cliff Nestroff to Carl Reiner. Did I? Yes, you did. You said my friend Cliff, and I was like, yay, Cliff! I'm a big champion of Cliff Nesteroff. There's actually, I, have a, I just got an email from Cliff Nesteroff. I don't think anybody really captures the tone with the same obsessive uh, need for accuracy and, and passion of a certain dark side of show business. I think he, he definitely does something that no one's really done before, so, and I like that. And this is a record, actually, that I got from Cliff. Check this out. This is a Cliff Nesteroffian record. Oh, I just read his piece on Joe Ross. Yeah. This- what can you tell people Joe E. Ross? Well, Joey Ross apparently was a chronic masturbator and whoremonger and marginally talented, not-so-funny comedian that got a lot of opportunities but never really changed his ways. I love in the Carl Reiner interview, you gave a warning, didn't you? Um, Beforehand, you said there's going to be some swearing. You warned people in the Carl Reiner interview you did. Well, I find that like uh, there's some part of me when I talk to uh, Jewish people of that age or any or older people in general that yeah, they don't really take to the filth as easily. There was this, my grandmother. Uh, sadly, when I did my first HBO half hour, apparently, uh, you know, I, I called her to see how she liked it. And she said, you're so filthy. And I didn't realize that she had gathered many of her older women friends to watch her grandson. And I must have said, fuck, you know, 12 times in the first 30 seconds. And uh, I put her through that. So there's some r- residual effect of that that comes out with older people. What's so weird about it is Carl Reiner himself swore twice during the podcast. No, wasn't that thrilling? And because I gave the warning, it made it much more impactful. I lucked out on that. One. What can you tell the people about? And here we are, another gift for you, 2010. 13. 13. That's this year. I never understood this record because this is the 2000 year old man. I don't, I still don't really know why they call it 2013. But, but, uh, but like I have this record as well. Um, it's fascinating that in your podcast it was revealed the Queen Mum heard this record. What was that all about? Well, I, I guess she loved Mel Brooks. Who doesn't love Mel Brooks? 
It was just an amazing little factoid. Yeah, yeah, that uh, she was a big fan. I think, uh, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Dick Van Dyke's got a Queen story too. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the Queen just was, uh, you know, a comedy fan. The little tidbits are interesting about comedy, but also about life. Like Johnny Cochran, he was the guy that prosecuted Lenny Bruce. That's weird. I didn't know that he was part of that team. Yeah. It wasn't probably him. He was probably a young lawyer working under a public uh, defender at the time. Yeah, because um, what was the guy? There, oh, Garbus, uh, the the famous guy that did the uh, the work on the free speech. Yeah, well, that is interesting. I didn't know that. And I thought, well, here's some records maybe that you don't have. This Lenny Bruce promo. How about a Lenny Bruno Bruce promo record for you? Yeah, I like this. This is great. A promo record. Yeah, I think I know some of these bits. Yeah, some of these are classics. Yeah, Religions, Inc., How to Relax Your Colored Friends at uh, Parties. Yeah, these are good. Because you're into the tubes. You're into the collector scum part. Like, you want the promo record as well, right? You like yeah, the I promo, too. Like, right? I'm not a, an insane collector. I don't, uh, like, I'm not a guy that goes, how much is this worth? I just like having good, clean records. There was a show called This Is Not A... Test. And it was like an internet show that you pioneered. Like, you're one of the first guys on the internet. People forget, right? I don't know if I was the first guy on the internet, but I think it was certainly one of the first interactive internet shows. Unfortunately, not everyone could really get on the internet. So, it was produced by Broadway Video, which Lauren Michaels' company, and by... Um, oh, Lauren Michaels! And by Microsoft. But, like, it turned out that we put all this work when we had all these big celebrities and we did talk shows and there were interactive games, but... But from what I could glean, only people on the Microsoft campus could really watch and play with the show. Like you've been riding the web a long time. People forget that. Yeah, I don't know if I would call it that, but I guess you're right. It's uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take it. Sure. Mark Marin, do you think Gallagher two Gallagher two would have walked out on you? Uh, absolutely not. Gallagher two probably would have kept me talking as long as possible. I heard in an interview that Andrew W.K. possibly stayed in a hotel room beside you, and he might have heard some sexual noises coming from that hotel room. What happened there? Yeah, I can't deny or confirm that situation. Here we are at Austin, Texas. You've been to Vancouver ten times. Um. Yeah, is that, a, is that right? Quite a few, isn't it? I, it feels like it was probably five or six times at least. And one of the first times you were there was on a CBC show called The Debaters. Do you remember that? Yeah, the yeah, Debaters. Doing The Debaters, yeah. The original name for that show was The Master Debaters. Oh, well, I, I'm glad they changed it. Well, I wish they didn't because you love the masturbation jokes, don't you? Sure. Oh, the, I get your pun. Uh, I'm not always, I'm very, not quick with the puns. Yeah, I do enjoy masturbation, don't you? And winding up here with Mark Marin in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, you frequented a shop called Neptune Records. Neptune Records where? It was on Main Street in Vancouver. You went in there. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, me and uh, Brendan Walsh went in there. We had a good time. I think he bought, I don't think I bought anything though. You didn't buy anything? So I brought you a gift from Neptune Records. Here it is, the Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay record. Finally, finally I have this. Thank you so much. Have you been looking for this one? Not at all. Oh, you haven't? Okay, I was hoping that you were. Do you only collect Muhammad Ali records? Is that why? Not Cassius Clay records? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, this is before the big change. This is a, a pre-Muslim uh, Muhammad Ali. Winding up here, Mark Marin, you recorded in Giggles in Seattle. Do you remember that, Giggles? Yeah, I used to play there all the time. I recorded two CDs at Giggles. 
Now, a friend of mine got into giggles with no ID. He got in with his high school yearbook. He just showed his high school yearbook, and they let him in. Is that the sort of club it was? What do you remember about that? Sure. Uh, that, that club was a very interesting club because the guy who owned it, Terry, uh, didn't really want to pay anybody, including comics, quite honestly. So he would literally take your money at the door. Then he would, uh, he would take your order at your table. Then he would make your drinks, and then he would also MC the show. It was quite an operation, and he lived on top of the club. You love food, especially the Greek deli in Boston. What's the Greek deli in Boston you love going back to? It's one that's been there for years. You always return to it when you're in Boston. It's not there anymore. The deli king is gone. It's been gone for many years. But when I was in college, uh, it was like the greatest place to eat breakfast. What do you think about people eating during your show? Like Chris Rock was eating during your show. What do you think about people eating during your show? I, I don't know. You know, with some people, you're sort of like, well, I mean, I've only got this amount of time and uh, he's got to eat. So what do I do? You know, make the interview shorter because, you know, he's got to eat. So, you know, go ahead, eat. It bothers people, though. It's very annoying to listen to. And it's a lot of work for my producer. Are there any comedians from Alaska? Because you lived there for a while. Do you remember anything about Alaska or Alaska comedians? Have you done any gigs there? Do you remember Cal Worthington Ford? Want to get a car, go see Cal and it'll TV of commercials? I lived there when I was very young. I was 1969 through 1971. So I was really, you know, seven, eight years old, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Uh, I did do one gig in Fairbanks, Alaska as a professional comedian at a college. Remember any of the trivia you did when you were the host of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, that legendary British show that landed in America? Yeah, not really. I, I didn't even understand how the show worked, quite honestly. I was not the right guy to host that show because I could not wrap my brain around even the rules of the show or what the point of it was. Um, so I don't really remember any of the jokes or the, or the questions because they were on cards. Uh, I do remember a few of the people that were on it. I didn't feel well that, that week that we taped. Mark Marin, is shitting your pants a good endorsement for coffee? You wouldn't think so, but yeah, I changed their entire business with that slogan. It's amazing that you get away with that. Should I say get away with that, or now they come to you? They want you to say more shit stuff. I mean, the, the truth of the matter was they weren't really, they don't really pay me a lot as a sponsor, and I carried them over from another show that they were supportive enough. You know, they were the only sponsor I had on an internet show. And when I did the podcast, I said, well, you guys want to come along because, you know, you, you guys helped us out. And it was a loyalty thing, and I just made that up. And they weren't comfortable with it at first, but, you know, to, I think to this day, I'm their biggest, uh, you know, they, they sell more, on, they do more internet sales because of me than any other blend of coffee. Mark Maron, lastly here, who do you think is the sticks of stand-up comedy? Huh. That's, um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, because uh, sticks were okay, but they were, you know, a little over the top and, you know, kind of glammy uh, and, you know, very well orchestrated and popular. Um, I don't know. You'd have to... I, I can't come up with something right away. How about the striper of comedy? Could you think of anybody who's the striper of comedy? Maybe Jim Florentine. I think he'd like to be that. And Mark Murray, could you give a shout out to Tom Sharpling for setting up this interview? Why'd you do this, Tom? Well, thanks much, Mark Maron. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 loot do. Will do.
listen to my mighty voice. My name is Adolf. I'm on the mic. I'm gonna hip you to the story of the new third round. It all began down in Munich town. And pretty soon the world started getting around. So I said to Martin Bowman, I said, hey Marty, why don't we throw a little Nazi party? So we had an election, well, kind of, sorta. Before you knew, hello, new order. To all those mothers in the fatherland. I said, ach du, baby, I got me a plan. I said, what you got, Adolf? What you gonna do? I said, how about this one? Come on, let's get out of here.